Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Alt Reports Radio, where today I'm on here with Jamie Bateman of Labrador Lending. Jamie, thanks for jumping on here today. Uh, you were referred by my uh, good friend, Brett Berkey, who owns uh, Paperstack. And uh, yeah. he thought that with what I'm trying to do over here, that you and I should chat. And I'm happy to have you on here. Tell us Absolutely. a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks a lot, Breck. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, and uh, thanks to Brett for hooking us up. Um, yeah, so Jamie Bateman, I uh, am a husband, father, small business owner, um, military veteran. I am uh, used to be a college athlete, used to be an athlete, period. <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to talk about how we don't have to talk about how I injured myself playing badminton oh. but um I am a, a primarily a mortgage note investor right now I have a small team and uh, we manage a couple of note funds I have a, a background in real estate residential real estate in particular uh, my wife and I have a portfolio of single family rentals and I used to years ago worked at a title company and a uh a, a mortgage broker uh, company as well, and um, realized how little I knew about that entire space. And so I didn't know at the time that that would be helpful now um, for, for me and my team and mm. our investors. And um, so, but um, since uh, 2015 is when uh, my wife and I really kind of got very serious about single family rentals and we were doing the Burr method and uh, rehabbing properties and, um, What's the burr method in uh, case folks don't, uh, haven't heard that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we had started years prior with rentals, but then we got heavily into it in 2015. But the burr method is um, buy, you say buy a distressed property or buy a property, rehab the property, um, rent the property out, find a tenant, and then uh, refinance the property. So either you're buying with cash or you're buying with private money with not so great terms or hard money. And then you're uh, eventually, once you get that tenant in there and you show a little bit of income to a bank or a more traditional lender, then you hopefully can refinance the property. So um, just to kind of maybe give it a quick example, you know, put a little bit of numbers behind it. Um, we were actually initially starting with cash and um, we would buy a property, say for 150, maybe, maybe put, um, 25 grand into it and then, um, re get a tenant, put the tenants in there, you know, and, um, and then refinance the property and get our cash back, or at least most of our cash back and then go do it again. So the final R is repeat on Burr. I didn't create that acronym, yeah. but, um, a lot of people have done well with that method. And so we were doing that for quite some time. And then, um, in 2018 is when I pivoted more over to mortgage notes. So how did that happen? Yeah, so we we kept the rentals. We haven't sold one. It's um, and we've continued to grow the rental portfolio as well. But um, I think it was mostly through podcasts, you know, bigger pockets and reading forums and just learning. And to be honest, part of it was you know, okay, I get the rental thing now. It's I mean, yeah. not that I'm the world's leading expert on rentals, but we were buying essentially the same property over and over. And um, you get, you get a little, I'm sure you can appreciate as an entrepreneur, yeah. you get a little bit bored. Sure. <laughs> and so I said, you know, what's this mortgage note thing? And, and, um, 
started researching. I was comparing uh, tax lien investing and mortgage note investing at the time. Mm-hmm. It seemed um, they seemed somewhat similar. And um, there are a lot of benefits to mortgage note investing that I found out about. Um, there's no perfect asset class or strategy out there. At least I haven't found one yet. But yeah. so every asset class and every strategy has drawbacks. But I started digging into mortgage notes for a variety of reasons. Um, you can do it from anywhere. If you have a, a laptop and a phone, you can be a mortgage note investor. Yep. And so that's one of the one of the perks that I saw right away and um, started digging into it more and um, realized I really like this this space. So I want to dive into this. And so for the last four and a half years plus, um, mortgage note investing has been my primary focus from a professional standpoint. Okay. And so what was that first deal like? First deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first deal, I, I, in one week, I kind of had uh, two different deals I, I went into at the same time. One was a joint venture which, with a gentleman named Chris Seventy. We're now business partners on, uh, we have a loan servicing company now called BiFi. And then we also started a note fund together. So obviously our relationship grew over the last uh, four and a half years. Yeah, must've been a good uh, note. But the first deal was a joint venture. What's that? Must've been a good note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we it's- grew um, this whole uh, relationship out of it. <laughs> we ended up doing a, a podcast episode on that that note. If, <laughs> if your listeners get really interested, it's called Nightmare on Elm Street. So oh. it's, uh, it had, we'll every note it. has a story. And this, uh, this one had, uh, quite some, quite the story to it. We did make money on it, but, um, but truthfully my intent, obviously I want to get, you know, want to make money. Right. But my intent was more to, um, develop my own knowledge of the note space and also expand my network. And, um, that is what started to happen. So essentially with that joint venture, I was the money partner. And Chris was kind of the day-to-day manager of it. And uh, I also start, had a, that same week funded another deal that was um, more of a, a passive deal per se, um, where it's a five-year interest-only loan. But um, that one, both I'm out of both deals at this point. Um, so it just kind of slowly grew over 2018 uh, as far as my own uh, knowledge and, and activity related yeah. to mortgage note investing. And um, you know, now managing a couple of funds and, uh, it's, uh, it's a fun space to be in. There's a lot to, a lot to learn. Um, uh, but, uh, but I enjoy it. So one of the things in the note business, you know, I guess the main thing, if you, if you're, especially if you're just starting out, I mean, one way is you go and you invest in a fund with, uh, folks like folks like you, but the, yep. um, the deal sourcing, where are you yes. sourcing your deals from? Cause I mean, that's really what it's all about, right? Is you need to, you need to find them and, uh, yeah. before anything else happens. So what's that great, look like? great question. I think it's, I think it's the number one challenge. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think, so the way I view it and, and I certainly didn't come up with this, but I've heard, uh, more experienced investors use this, uh, framework. I know like Dave Van Horn, for example, we'll talk about this, but, um, your business comes down. If you decide to get into notes as a business, it really comes down to three things. One is finding assets, finding notes, like you just talked about. The second is finding money to buy those notes. And no matter who you are, you're likely going to run out of your own money. 
um, or if you're finding enough you have. notes. <laughs> yeah, if you're finding enough, or if you yeah. you know you may set a self-imposed limit on the you know maybe, maybe your wife says you can only invest fifty grand. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> uh, but and then the third piece is asset management. So managing those notes and that that piece gets glossed over in my opinion. But finding the notes is tough can be tough. Um, it's, it's a very inefficient marketplace. Um, I know you had a, a company that did, uh, provided this uh, service as far as finding distressed, uh, notes. And, um, so you're probably quite familiar with, with that, how that works and everything, but, um, it's, it, it can be through note brokers. It can be through, uh, Brett Berkey's company, paperstack.com. It can, there are some other online exchanges. Um, and it, it's not very, it's not like the, the, the stock market where you log on and click a button and you buy, buy some stock. So right. it takes getting your name out there. It takes some work. It takes um, networking and just asking around. A lot of times a note fund will be closing and they have to sell off assets. And so personally, I haven't found much success with calling up banks um, or, you know, and, and, and asking to buy one off notes from their yeah. from their books but pools, there are yeah what's that they do pools more often i think we're having exactly an issue i'll try and clean this up yeah, no end. worries um yeah it's just a slight delay maybe but it's um a lot of times it, it you know and it depends where you how, how much capital you have to, to play with of course and so um but a lot of times you can find one or two note brokers who you kind of go back to if you can show that you actually follow through and and will deliver and purchase and um, it's it's a networking game so yeah yeah it it so, is a challenge though. So what kind of notes are you looking for for these funds? You mentioned so you've got sure. two funds. One I think is not open right now, and the right. other one is still open. And Correct. So tell me a little bit about what kind of product you're looking for there and like what, when you're evaluating these, what makes a good investment for you or what are you looking for in the deal? Absolutely. Um, we buy first position mortgage notes only. Um, and there are a few reasons for that. So we don't buy HELOCs. We don't buy second position mortgage notes. Some people love that space. Yeah. My um, friend Mike so we have two funds. Okay. Yeah. I know like, um, Josh Andrews and, you know, Fuquan Bilal, they've done well mm -hmm. in the second space, for example, but, yeah. um, there aren't as many notes, there aren't as many seconds out there. So that's one, that's one challenge with seconds, but we have two funds. One is a non primarily non-performing note fund. And in that case, um, we primarily look for non-performing notes, meaning the borrower is not paying or they are at least 90 days behind. Okay. okay. And so, um, the, our other fund, which is open to uh, investors currently, is a performing note fund. It's a or re-performing um, where the borrowers are caught up and they're paying monthly. It's a little more boring, you know, so to speak. But but right now, boring isn't necessarily a bad thing with all the craziness going on in in the investment <laughs> space in general, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, just to kind of just for your listeners who may may be unfamiliar with. What is a non-performing note? How does that yeah. investment talk work? about why would you want a bad loan? Yeah, exactly. So I generally like to kind of compare or, you know, equate in a, in a sense, uh, a non-performing loan with a fix and flip property. So you're taking a, an asset that is 
has distress, uh, the borrower is not paying or, or hasn't paid in quite some time, and you're buying that at a discount. So to answer your question, you can get it at a, a much better price, right? Because the borrower is not paying. <laughs> There's less yeah. value in that asset. Well, that's opportunity as well, if you know how to add value to that note. Um, and there are many ways, you know, we'll have to probably pause the, that part of the discussion. Many ways you can exit a non-performing note. Uh, it, but I like to equate it somewhat to a, a fix and flip property where you're adding value to that asset itself and you're mm -hmm. exiting that that asset through a sale or some other way. So you can exit through the borrower or through the property. But um, you can buy that at a discount and exit it uh, through the sale uh, of the note or the property at a higher price point. So you're actually adding value to the note by a modification or deed in lieu or different different avenues. And you're adding value to that asset and selling that non-performing note as a performing note or as a, a property or some um, some other way that you've added value to the asset. Whereas a performing note, on the other hand, that is, which is what we buy for our um, integrity income fund, performing notes are the borrower's paying, it's a cash flow play. So mm. there's not a lot of room to add value there. I'm not buying a performing note at a discount or as much of a discount uh, because the borrowers are paying. So it has more value already. There's not as much opportunity for me as a note investor to add value to that, that note. And so that's what we purchase for our integrity income fund. And it's again, slow, boring cash flow, mm. somewhat like a buy and hold rental property that's already stabilized, that is already rehabbed. It is what it is. Uh, yeah. But again, that's these mortgage notes have collateral as well, which is the real estate. So um, it, those are kind of, that's just generally speaking, non-performing notes versus performing. There's obviously a ton of gray area in this space. And I tend to say it depends as much as an attorney does these days. <laughs> uh, so not everything's black and white, but that's kind of like the basics, uh, you know, for your listeners who are unfamiliar with, with note investing as a whole. Sure. So uh, when, let, let's talk a little bit about then what you're looking for in the, uh, in the integrity fund. When you're out there shopping, do you have like geographic restrictions? Do you have size restrictions? And the other question I have is, you know, up until very recently, rates have been so low for so long. How are you making any money or a return that's, you know, worth worth getting when, you know, I know my mortgage here is like 2.375 or something like that. And, you know, huge number of yeah. folks out there have loans like that. How are you finding um, return there and what kind of returns are you talking about? Yeah, no, great, great questions. Um, with our uh, fund, we do have, generally speaking, um, we, we've purchased in probably 25 states. Um, wow. So we will generally buy across the country, but you will find, you will not find a lot of product in every state. So some of the, some of this is limited just by deal flow. Um, but every state, this space is extremely state specific, particularly with regard to foreclosure laws. Um, and timelines and things. Um, so we do have a buy box of states, but it's not five states. And, okay. um, you know, it's it's broader than that. But we end up buying mostly in the Midwest and Southeast where the numbers just tend to work better and uh, because there are, is more product and maybe uh, just the pricing works better. 
Um, price points for us, we, we stick to kind of the 25,000 to 100 and maybe $150,000 price range as far as principal balance goes. Um, there's some reasons for that. Uh, One is that our income fund is fairly liquid, uh, meaning we have a 12 month, uh, lockup period. And so that's somewhat rare in, in the note space. A lot of times you'll find three to four years where you've got to put your money as a passive investor. It's tied up for that long. Well, if I'm promising investors, hey, if you want your money out in 12 months, I have to be able to actually deliver on that, right? I can't just say that. And so yeah. one way we we are able to do that is by buying more notes that are smaller, smaller balance notes. So if Breck, if you invested, just hypothetical, <laughs> if you invested in our fund and you put in 25000 and then in one year you said, I want my money back. Well, if all of our notes were $500,000 notes, I don't have 25000 50000 75000 to just peel yeah. off. So with smaller balance notes in the portfolio, we have a little more flexibility and kind of liquidity there. Okay. Um, yeah. So... Um, yeah, hopefully that answered. Uh, yeah, and answered then the that. other part of that question was how you're finding, like what kind of returns you're right. targeting because of just our compressed interest rates for so long. Sure, absolutely. So the space that we generally play in, these are 8 to 10% coupon rates, meaning the mortgage rate, the interest rate on the note itself is high. Okay. Um, and so the... Um, I likely won't see your mortgage trickle down <laughs> to, to cross my desk. Um, and so these, you know, just these are maybe lower end properties, lower end borrowers, as far as performance goes, doesn't mean yeah. they're bad people or anything, right. but um, they don't have a strong credit history necessarily. And the fact that we run, we have a lot of experience with foreclosures and different, um, you know, uh, modifications and working with distressed borrowers, uh, that that kind of allows for a comfort level regarding, you know, if one of these notes does go non-performing, we know how to handle it. Um, so there's a little bit higher risk with that type borrower where the, the note is eight to 10% on the, on the, the note itself. Right. Um, so the, this still has actually it. been originated at eight to 10%. It's not that you're buying yes. that yield because you're getting a discount. It's actually, you got it was originated. That's right. Okay. And, and so, it may be a little bit lower. We'll buy, we'll buy a little bit lower, uh, interest rate notes, but, but we're still buying at a discount, which creates okay. that yield you're alluding to. Okay. All right. And so does that, so who, wh- where does this was privately originated then generally? Is that, um, how you're finding those? It depends. So okay. we've bought contracts for deed, which are technically a seller financed, uh, contract. Uh, yeah. and, uh, we'll buy seller finance, uh, notes, but that you gotta be real, real careful there because you yeah. don't know how it was originated. So we do wander into the, the non-institutional space, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but we do also buy institutional notes that maybe okay. they have a six or 7% interest rate on it, but I'm still buying it at a discount. So, but to answer your question more pointedly we yeah. target a 12% yield uh right wow. now on our performing slash reperforming notes and let me just quickly define a, a reperforming note if i sure. can Please. um so performing a performing note is look this borrower has been paying from the beginning like like 
honestly, most people are probably familiar with. You generally pay your mortgage, pay it on time. And, and um, you know, so th- from the beginning, that, that note has been performing and the borrower has 800 credit score. You know, it, we're not going to get a 12% yield on a note like that. Right. It just doesn't happen. Well, maybe so, next year. <laughs> Next year's <laughs> right, that, originations, yeah, you'll be getting yeah, that's true. 12%. If there are any happening right. right now, but yeah, that's a good point. Um, so re-performing, it, it it kind of you can probably kind of figure it out. It, it was not performing at some point, so I've I've had success buying non-performing notes and then creating re-performing notes. There's certainly a higher risk of default on the, that than a, a true performing note that's been paying from the beginning. Uh, but a re-performing note, the borrower may have been unemployed or had medical bills or something came up, divorce, something happened and they stopped paying. Well, as a lender, we're able to work with that borrower and and kind of get them back on track and get that note re-performing. So I can take a note that was non-performing. Now, I'm not just snapping my fingers. There's a lot of work to this, Uh, but make it re-performing with the borrower's cooperation and and then if we have a track record of maybe six to 12 recent payments, on-time payments, that note can be considered re-performing. So there you can target 12, maybe even 15% yield, depending mm-hmm. on what we're talking about. It's been harder to find those yields recently, trust me. Um, yeah. But because of that higher potential default uh, risk, you can find that yield in this space that a lot of banks, they're not willing to write. I mean, lending criteria has gotten a lot more strict in the last few years. Banks don't even want to originate mortgages under a hundred grand, generally speaking. So that does open up opportunity for private loans um, where it may be a self-employed borrower or someone that's a, you know, has a good, good job. And um, there's opportunity for us to, to play in that, do well in that space. Okay. So tell me a little bit about, I appreciate you walking us through, you know, notes and how you think about that and uh, the rates and, and all that. Um, why you guys, what's the edge there? What's the difference? Like, um, why, sure. why, yeah, why should we invest with you? Why are we special? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not. You know, there are a lot of options out there. And um, yeah, I'm personally invested in another note fund, two other note funds, actually. Okay. Um, one of the reasons I would push, I would recommend our note fund is is the twelve month lockup. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now in the market space, and um, maybe you have cash, or maybe you have a self directed uh, IRA or s- some type of account that's with a custodian, and you're not sure what to do right now. Yeah. Well, it, we pay eight percent monthly payments. Uh, we aim to, I should say. Um, there are no, no guarantees in this space, but yeah. we aim to pay 8% monthly payments for uh, tw- a 12-month uh, minimum time period. So um, other funds are often three to four years uh, minimum, like I mentioned before. Okay. Ours is one year. So there's a good bit of, um, you know, uh, I guess, flexibility there, it, it, you know, with, with regard to that. And we're buying where there's plenty of equity meaning there's the collateral value is, is relatively high. So, um, this particular fund, the integrity income fund is a, is a safe, <laughs> nothing is fully safe, but yeah. relative to other investments and other asset classes, to me, it's a boring, safe, great play. If you're looking for con- monthly cash flow with collateral, also 
our fund is is across multiple states so it's you're not investing in one you know project or one deal like a typical multifamily syndication or something like that your risk is actually spread across multiple borrowers multiple situations multiple states mm. um so when you compare us to maybe a, again a multifamily syndication or self storage syndication are <coughs> oftentimes those those projects are such high dollar amounts all of your eggs are in one basket. So if that product project goes well, great. Um, but if it doesn't, it's not so great, right? So yeah. um, the, you're, you're mitigating your risk a little bit in that sense by spreading it across uh, multiple situations, multiple states. And, um, you know, again, this has been my primary focus for four and a half, five years now. Um, it's my second fund. It's not my first fund. Um, and we are a small shop. We like to deliver on customer service. Um, and I also have an ownership stake in, in the, the loan servicing company that we, that we like to use. Um, and so there's, uh, some control there as well. And so it's a, it's a boutique invest, you know, small team, uh, customer services there. You're not just a number lost in, you know, in one of a hundred thousand investors in some huge note fund. So those yeah. are a few, few reasons. Uh, ultimately it comes down to trust when you're a passive investor and you're, handing your money over to someone else, you are, you are letting go of some of the, some of that control. Yeah. So it ultimately comes down to whether you trust, uh, my track record and trust that I will do what I say I'm going to do. And not just me, it's, I do have a, a team that helps me quite a bit. Yeah. So it sounds like the risks really mitigated by a few things. One is your uh, always first position. So there's always meat on that bone, what that, yeah. um, I guess, hopefully folks know what that means. If not, we'll try, I'll, maybe I'll flesh that out a little bit, uh, below, mm -hmm. um, you're spread across uh, multiple States and you're spread into a number of, uh, smaller assets. So if you have default, um, you know, it's not, not, you know, it's not a sort of a concentrated, um, situation. So exactly. is this uh, an accredited investor only, uh, investment? It is. Okay. Yeah, it is. We do sometimes sell partials or do different things with non-accredited investors, but frankly, I just made the business decision to stick with um, 506C and and uh, and that's the reason I can talk fairly freely about the terms of the the fund and everything. Um, and so it is just for accredited investors only. Okay. Uh, and what's your minimum? Uh, Twenty five thousand. Okay. Yeah. And it's an evergreen fund, so we opened it, um, and at some point we will close the capital raising, you know, uh, feature, if you will. We'll shut that off and we'll say we've raised enough capital. Um, but right now it's it's open, and so there's not a set deadline per se, yeah. which you know. Uh, but at some point we will shut that down here in the near future. Okay. And um, so we talked about the minimum and target returns and the lockup is 12 months. Tell me a little bit about the um, the structure there. How are you compensated? How's your team? Yeah, it's a 2% uh, asset management fee. Um, and uh, that's really it. I'm, I'm personally invested in the fund and um, with my own money. And uh, so that I get a little bit uh, there uh, with from from my own investment. Um, but no, it's primarily the asset management fee. Quite frankly, there's not as much, not quite as much work to be done on a, on a, um, performing note fund from an asset management standpoint, if you're buying well, yeah. uh, that's not to say there's no work, there's definitely work. Um, 
and sure. but that's the that's the primary way that we're compensated compensated through this fund. Okay, and and that's it, just two percent, and there's nothing no, nothing else in there. Wow, that's right. Really I mean, exactly. So we've got to you know make sure that we're targeting high enough yields to make that make that work. Yeah. Um, so again, this is more of a even for me as an asset manager, as a fund manager. Yeah. It's more of a monthly cash flow play. Um, you know, who knows what, one of the downsides with note investing, frankly, especially when you're we're buying performing notes is they lose value over time. So as mm -hmm. the principal balance goes down, generally yeah. speaking, that yeah. note is worth less in the future. Uh, we yeah. have it, we do have it structured where the manager would make any, any profits on the back end if magically we're able to sell these notes for a lot more than we're buying them at. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, buying them for, um, but that's not the play here. There's, it's not an upside play. It's not, I'm not banking on that, uh, at all for me personally. Yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Jamie, I appreciate you coming on here. If, uh, somebody wants to learn more about you and reach out, how, where should they, uh, where should they find you online? Yeah. Um, labradorlending.com. Um, and my email address is Bateman James at labradorlending.com. It's a little bit of a mouthful. Um, yeah. And so, but we have, we do have a free ebook, which is 74 pages. It's really is chock full of, of information. And one of the things we go through, which I think might be helpful is um, we have a blog post as well as a section in our ebook about this, but talks about is note investing passive. And it talks about the kind of the spectrum or um, how essentially how note active note investors can work with passive note investors. And f a lot of gurus will, will claim that note investing is passive and you can, you know, put your feet up on the, on the desk and just, you know, yeah. <laughs> chill out all day as a note investor. Yeah. Once you're managing more than a handful of notes, it's, it's not passive. So, um, yeah. I went on a little, little rant there, but yeah, labradorlending.com. <laughs> and we, we also have, a my uh, podcast, which I'd like to just briefly plug. It's, Please. it's not about notes in particular, but uh, it's called from adversity to abundance. And we talk a lot about the human side of investing. Um, uh, Chris 70 was on it as a guest and we talk about overcoming adversity and, and um, it is, we do talk about mortgage notes, but we talk about real estate and small business. And uh, it's generally for investors and entrepreneurs, but I'm, I'm real passionate about it. Uh, yeah. And I'd love to have your listeners uh, take a listen to it. It's from adversity to abundance. Well, I think everybody should be an entrepreneur and an investor. So uh, they should go check that out. And we're going to have in the show notes uh, links to all of this stuff, which will be at altreports.com slash Labrador Lending. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put a link to your show and everything else in there. So That's awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate you coming on here, Jamie. It's been awesome talking to you. Thank you for educating me on how it works over there. And uh, if you've got questions for Jamie, find them there at labradorlending.com. And thanks for listening. Thanks, Breck.